Hello everyone and welcome to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. Our guest for today is Mr. Prashant Desai, who is a senior director at the Everstone Group and is handling investor relations at Burger. Prashant hails from the city of Calcutta where he has done his undergraduate studies and has completed his CA. Right after that he was working as an equity research analyst and then was working directly under Kishore Biyani in the Future Group. Prashant also had a startup in the sports domain where he was trying to create activewear sport garments for different individuals. He also opened 17 retail outlets across 17 cities in India and also had tie up with players like Hardik Pandya and other sports stars in the country like Ravi Chandran Ashwin etc etc. The startup did not really do well and that spurred some emotion within him which helped him write his first book in which he talks about the failures that he made through his startup he finally says that through his book he's actually trying to pass forward a lesson or a letter to his daughters teaching them about the financial mistakes that he made which he does not want his daughters to make in the future prashant has had a very interesting journey through his career where he has explored different things and through the first episode of the thinking out loud podcast we would like to analyze how he went through his entire journey starting from ca and a simple bcom student in calcutta to actually becoming the senior director at everstone group writing a book having a failed startup and the relation that we ha- that he has with money so without further ado we would like to welcome all of you to the very first episode of the thinking out loud podcast with a very first panel member Mr Prashant Desai dive in to see the conversation that we had with Mr Prashant Desai and the insights and the analysis that he had to share about his life and his learnings welcome everyone to the thinking out loud podcast for today's episode this is the first episode that we are recording and for that we have Mr. Prashant Desai here with us. Uh, thank you so much, Prashant, for being here. And I think uh, one commonality between the three of us, that is me, Samia, can you use that also? You are from Calcutta. <laughs> Good. <laughs> very, very big commonality to begin with. Uh, yes. So, Prashant, Prashant, not wasting any time, and you know, starting off from the very onset. So, uh, Prashant, we we studied your entire career from Calcutta to Saint Xavier's to CA to future group in the investment arm then starting up then content creation then again heading investments at uh, burger king so how 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 has that journey been like was it something that you always planned on being there or was it serendipity that took place how was it yeah i wish i could say that i had planned but uh, i have learned in life that you just need to keep moving ahead uh, have a broad direction in place and uh, somewhere uh, you know uh, i always believe that the 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 journey is probably more important than the destination and as long as uh, my bigger take has been uh, that as long as i am enjoying the journey uh, i will keep moving ahead on the path uh, having said that uh, for me uh, for the journey to be uh, enjoyable <laughs> money was a very important part so a lot of the things that i did in my in my life from a career standpoint whether it was becoming a chartered accountant whether it was uh, joining stock markets way back in in 9192 uh, 
uh, whether it was moving to Mumbai, uh, whether it were the number of job changes that I did uh, uh, in Mumbai, uh, everything, if there is one thing that could connect all the dots, that was uh, uh, the need and the want to make more money, more wealth and all of that. And I, I would just say that, uh, you know, I am a half marathoner. I would still say I am on my fifth kilometer, uh, both from the journey perspective and even from a wealth creation perspective. So, uh, picture baki No, no, I agree. Like uh, the, the point you mentioned that obviously the one thing which is behind our minds is always that we want to create wealth. We want to make a lot of money. And that's why we kind of, you know, start ventures, join different companies and then try to move out to as many uh, opportunities as we could get. So, so I totally agree to what you're saying. And uh, in between also, you're like, obviously you have been very vocal about it as well that you had had a venture and you have written a book on it and it's right behind you i can really see it so uh, just just want to know the idea behind writing this book what were you trying to depict in terms of you know writing this book and like what was the idea as to why did you want to kind of write and you know show everyone that you want you also want to show stories about a venture which failed so like generally people is all always you know write about i've succeeded your books are on success but you you took the other way and wrote this book so what was the idea behind it so both samarth and samyak uh, for this question the answer will be a little longer so bear with me i would sure, also want sure. your uh, listeners to kind of bear with me so at the big picture perspective you you guys probably today may not relate to it Yesterday, I was uh, up until four o'clock. I was doing a course uh, uh, in US, uh, which was around wisdom and how wisdom uh, helps people live longer. And uh, one of the things that they shared is uh, our brain, uh, you know, takes its own time uh, uh, to develop and to grow. And uh, uh, wisdom comes after experiences. I write in my book uh, that there is a quote in Rakesh Junjunwala's office. Uh, that good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. Uh, so it's only when you reach a certain probably uh, age or certain development from a neuroscience perspective, uh, you know, there is something that kind of changes in your brain. And why I'm sharing this before getting to the real reason why I wrote this book is after a point, you tend to become a little more uh, uh, less self-obsessed you become more, a lot more less uh, uh, careful about what, how other people are going to view you. Your life uh, to a large extent becomes your own, right? Uh, uh, and, and I have something called as a deathbed philosophy that when you die and if somebody were to ask you, uh, what is it that you regret? I don't want to live with any regrets, right? So... You know, uh, my entrepreneurship venture called Defy, which was a truly Indian sports brand, I was extremely and deeply passionate about it. Uh, and uh, along with my business partner, Rajiv Mehta, in our view, we left no stone unturned. Uh, we were probably among the only Indian sports shoe brand, uh, which had a design center in Portland in US, which was about, uh, you know, what, uh, about 15 minutes from Nike's headquarters. Our designers were, uh, you know, uh, one was an ex-Nike designer, one was an ex-New Balance designer. So we did, we kind of did a lot of things there correctly. Uh, we had a development center in China. 
uh, we made shoes in the same factory where Skechers used to make. Uh, we 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 actually wanted to build a brand. We had Farhan Akhtar, Hardik Pandya. We signed in Hardik Pandya just before, uh, just after uh, the Mumbai Indians 2017 win, and just before he got inducted into the T20 team. Today he is what what he is. So we 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 thought we we done everything right. Uh, we opened seven uh, 17 retail store in 17 cities as a brand. Uh, both Mintra and Amazon wanted to do an exclusivity with us. Uh, we partnered with Mintra, uh, sorry, with Amazon. Uh, a lot of things went right, and yet everything went wrong. And uh, you know, uh, uh, you you it just kind of humbled us. Uh, we were so arrogant when we were we were at the peak of what we were doing. We thought we had probably. Uh, you know, nailed it uh, in a in a in a in a in a in a poker analogy. We probably thought we had a straight flush in our hand. Uh, uh, we went all in, and uh, and uh, not realizing that the first two cards have not yet been opened. Uh, <laughs> there is no river yet been opened. <laughs> no sorry, no flop yet been opened. Uh, and 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 as 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 uh, rightly so, uh, you know, the customer told us a very different story and the venture collapsed. Uh, and I write in the book uh, uh, that it took me almost uh, 24 years to make uh, 30 crores and I lost 30 crores in 30 months. So that was the velocity of the fall of my venture. And like most people, huh, uh, uh, the first phase when I lost so much of money was complete denial. I didn't even want to admit that I had done anything wrong. I thought that the whole universe had conspired against Prashant Desai to, to ensure that he fails in his venture. Uh, uh, luckily for me, because life has dealt me such cards that I had had no choice to move forward. So it helped me uh, move forward. So I shut down the venture on 31st of August 2019. And 7th September, I had joined Everstone Capital uh, as part of their exits business. And one of the businesses that they asked me to take public was a company called Burger King. And I got busy with Burger King. And sometimes when you get busy, your mind has a tendency to hide the loss in a in an inaccessible folder. And uh, as luck would have it, uh, you know, uh, COVID hit us in March of 2020. And when India went into the first lockdown during COVID, uh, all of us had a lot of time in hand, right? I just joined the firm. So I didn't have too many responsibilities. And, uh, you know, I would sit in my house, watch Netflix, watch, read books, uh, do a lot of other stuff. And uh, I think subconsciously something, the whole DeFi episode of, of losing so much of wealth in such short period of time kept hitting me back. Uh, I would also see my daughters playing then. And I don't know, somewhere deep within, I, I, I came to terms with it that it was not my wealth that I lost. It was actually the wealth of my daughters that I had lost. I had, I had massacred their future. And uh, one thought led to the other. And I said, at least I owe it to them uh, to start writing down why why their dad failed, how their dad massacred their wealth. And it, it just began with journaling. And at the first phase when I started writing, I like to write. Um uh, it, I was still at a very, very superficial level. So I would say I failed because, uh, uh, you know, I did not start the venture for the right reason. For example, I started the venture only to create wealth. Uh, normally, you start a business uh, if you are passionate about something, 
about the product, about the service? Is there a problem that you see in the world that you want to solve? And you end up starting a, a venture. But in my case, the starting the venture was to add one more zero to my net worth. Uh, but this was still very superficial. Uh, the question I started asking then made a lot more sense. It took me very, very deep. And I said, why did I want to make so much of money? Why was I so greedy about creating wealth? It took me to my childhood. I was born very poor. Uh, I lost my father when I was seven years old. Uh, Samarth, your dad and I have grown up together. Uh, he knows how poor we were. Uh, and, uh, you know, all of this had, had kind of left a very yucky feeling growing up. And somewhere, one thing when I was growing up, I was very clear is that uh, come what may, I will not be poor again. Uh, whatever happens, I cannot be poor again. Uh, and, uh, uh, and that thought carried with me. Uh, even when I started my venture, it, it's like a compounding effect on the greed that took place. So when I went that levels deep, I could explain to my daughters what my childhood was, what what that childhood had done to me and why I made that mistake. I write about 10 such mistakes in, in, in my book. Uh, so what happened is it the journey started uh, as, as a letter to my daughters. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, I have always been in research in my life. I started my career as an equity research analyst. And as an analyst, uh, the, the thing that you want to do is you look for benchmarks, right? Uh, and I started wanting to see entrepreneurs like me who had failed and who had written about themselves very honestly. And I went into because, you know, during uh, the first lockdown, we had a lot of time. So I started Googling, looking for such such stories. And to my surprise, as you both guys rightly said, uh, success is celebrated over the world. Uh, failure is looked down upon. People are hesitant to talk about their mistakes. And there are a lot of, lot of things written about why a particular business failed. Uh, but nobody who actually failed wrote about them. These were the external manifestations by other people of, for example, uh, you know, why a particular business would have failed. Uh, so you know about Theranos, right? Elizabeth Holmes, uh, she failed. But Ellen, Elizabeth Theranos never wrote about why she failed, uh, what led her to do all kind of stuff that she had done. And I was kind of surprised. So I started doing a lot more work on why people don't write about failures, why people don't write about mistakes. And that's when I chanced about reading a brilliant book uh, called Being Wrong by Catherine Schultz. And uh, and I think it's it's like a Bible on, on mistakes, on the psychology of mistakes. And that kind of opened up a lot of things for me. I started understanding why people are hesitant to, to write about mistakes. And, and, and she writes in that book that uh, we as a society, uh, we shame mistakes. Uh, mistakes are are not looked down upon, uh, are, sorry, are looked down upon. Uh, in school, uh, we are punished for making a mistake. So it starts, starts at a childhood level, even in my home or your homes, if we make a mistake. So there are two kinds of mistakes, right? Mistakes, which I would not even call mistake, but sin. Uh, today, we, 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 we read in papers about, uh, you know, young women getting raped. Uh, I don't think it's a mistake. It's a sin. So if you if you take those kind of mistakes out, but there are, there are mistakes that you do when you're trying to grow, trying to learn, uh, whether it's in our house, whether it's in our school, uh, we get punished for that, right? You write a wrong answer, the teacher will, will punish you, not knowing that it was her or his responsibility to teach you the subject 
not your responsibility and stuff like that. You are asked to stand on the bench. You are publicly shamed. Uh, the whole society has now rallied around this where mistakes are looked down upon by society. And what happens as a result of this is something very, very interesting. You will never hear somebody will say that I was wrong. It will always be I was wrong, but they don't realize English language. The moment you use the word but, the preface gets deleted in, in the reader's mind. So when you say I was wrong, but what are you doing? You are doing two things. You are one, trying to defend yourself. And number two, you are trying to blame your mistakes on somebody else. And it kind of took me to, to, to a very, very deep, uh, dark space uh, as, to, as to how this society is. I, I interact a lot with Andrew Huberman. He's the head of uh, uh, neuroscience at uh, Stanford. And uh, he also talks about it that, uh, you know, uh, our brain is a deleting device. Uh, every single moment we get thousands of thoughts. Our brain cannot remember everything, right? The brain has to choose what it wants to remember. And mistakes are, are things that brain doesn't want to remember. So what the brain does is brain puts all these mistakes in an inaccessible folder so that you can't go and, and reach out. And once it goes deep into your unconscious, you don't want to remember them. And uh, when I reflected back on my life, uh, uh, Samartha and Samyak, I realized that because I lost my father very early on in my life, uh, my biggest teacher, my biggest guru has been mistake. When you don't have a father figure, who do you learn from? You only learn by making mistakes. And I, for me, mistakes subconsciously was, was like a father I never had. And here I was seeing society was shaming my father, was looking down upon my father. And the rebel inside me said, no, I want to change this. Uh, I want mistakes to be celebrated. More importantly, I want people to share their mistakes uh, because mistakes has the has a superpower to teach. And that's where I kind of started looking at writing this book with only one condition or one thought, which was that I will write this book with absolute honesty. Because if I want to change, uh, uh, you know, the 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 place that the, the mistakes has is in society, I will have to start first. Gandhiji said, right, be the wish you want to, uh, be the change you want to see. I wanted to see that change in society. So I said, okay, let me go ahead and, and talk about my mistakes. So my my book uh, got written uh, with that uh, thought. So I, I talk about two things. Uh, I say there are two whys I wrote that book. One is what I call as the small why, and one is a big why. Uh, the big why is what we discussed is, is to get mistake its rightful place in the society. So each one of us will celebrate mistakes. Tomorrow, uh, when your parents make a mistake, when your friends make a mistake, uh, we don't look down upon, upon them. We support them. We see to it that they learn through that mistakes. Uh, uh, so that was my big why. And my small why obviously was I, I start the book with my small why through a quote by Warren Buffett. Uh, that it's good to learn from your mistakes, but it's better to learn from somebody else's mistakes. That's Warren Buffett said that. And I joke about that, uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, so there is this, I don't know if your audience is going to be Indian or non-Indian, but if you watch this movie Guru by Abhishek Bachchan, uh, where he portrays the character of Dhirubhai Ambani, and towards the end of the, of the movie, 
you know, there are a lot of cases against him on on uh, on uh, excise duty and and export and stuff like that. And uh, everybody talks. Hirubai Ambani answers that question, but doesn't doesn't really go and represent its point. And in the last, he said, uh, "Can I can I uh, can I say something?" And uh, Roshan said, tells him, "Yes, I'm giving you 15 minutes. Whatever you want to say, please complete in 15 minutes." And Dhirubai gives us his monologue uh, by Abhishek Bachchan, beautiful. And then in the end, he says that, "आपने मेरे को 15 मिनट दिए थे, मैंने 10 मिनट में खत्म कर दिया, 5 मिनट प्रॉफिट." So that five minute was the profit. I hope that my book. Is the profit for other people to to benefit from my mistakes? I hope it 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 helps people not make the same mistakes. They make their own mistakes. So that uh, was a long answer as to why I wrote my book. Uh, like excellent analogies. Like a uh, four five things which I learned directly from the conversation is one. Obviously, as you grow and you experience life, you become like a lot more humble. uh the second one being that whenever we make a mistake we are always in like denial mode right we we don't tend to accept it and as we introspect we kind of you know then realize that yeah it might have been my mistake or whatever the third one being from childhood we are taught that we are not allowed to make a mistake that's like a mental kind of model that has come up like whenever we are making mistakes we are either hate we are punished and obviously lastly that make mistakes like it there's nothing wrong in showing that you've made mistakes and to support everyone and kind of move on or you know learn from it and you know experience also excellent uh, analogies and and really appreciate sharing the entire experience with us so so prashad just as a follow up question right uh, so essentially you spoke about your book your learnings your failed venture but uh, one thing that i don't know most of your audience knows about this or not but samya can i have specifically looked into a lot is your content creation journey and i think that and the book went on in a very paralleled fashion right and we don't see a lot of senior folks in the industry who are at your level who take out time to make content and content in also in terms of reels on instagram informative reels right and and the more surprising part is that when you were again at the peak of your creation journey I remember you put out a post on LinkedIn saying that you know I'm taking a break from this and I'm you know pausing gigs at this moment. So how how did that, how did that happen? Like how did the book, the content creation, and then again when you were at your zenith, you were like you know let's take a pause. So that is something that I found very interesting. So first, uh, Samir and Samar, thank you for being so kind to talk so nice about my content. I really appreciate it. Uh, and i also have that uh, that i would use the word complain but i am just looking forward to uh, many more people uh, sharing i recently did a, a course by tony robbins and dean grazios uh, uh, called project next uh, and where both of them kind of share that each one of has something to teach to the world to give back to the world and we always uh, sometimes struggle with the fact that what i want to give uh, give back to the society or to the world uh does the world need it uh, is there a is there a is there a need for something like this uh, and a lot of people don't even uh, venture uh, into this because they feel what they have to share is is not worthwhile i completely disagree every single person has something to share and every single person has something to learn from somebody else uh, and i hope over a period of time more and more people uh, will come forward and share 
uh, it, it, it's very similar to what we spoke about mistakes, right? It's only when you share, uh, the other person will will learn from it. Uh, you know, so that's that's my first take as to as to why people. Second, I think somewhere it's a lack of confidence. A lot of people feel that they are not good writers. A lot of people feel they are not very good at public speaking. A lot of just people feel that the whole social media space is made for youngsters. And today at 50, I can vouch that none of that is true. All these are, are absolute myth. Uh, social media doesn't care on the quality of your English. It cares about the authenticity of your content. Uh, if there is something that you've really felt from within and you share, it doesn't matter how you share it, in what language, what words you use, what grammar you use. Uh, people will connect with it. People will will appreciate that. Uh, public speaking is like when I started my running journey way back in in January of 2013. First day I showed it at the beach in in Bombay to start my journey as a runner. I could not run more than 300 meters, and and I was out of breath. And in September I ran my first half marathon. So you know you always have to start small, and a little by little, a little becomes a lot. So it it all I will tell people is start by writing two lines, start by writing five lines. You will soon realize that uh, that you will keep getting better. Uh, I was yesterday watching a Virat Kohli Ranji Trophy match of two thousand, I think uh, nine or ten, and you see Virat batting. <laughs> you will say, how can this guy play for the country, right? Uh, but that's what it is. You have to show up every day. You have to do knocking. On the balls like a Virat Kohli, uh, if you are if you if you are willing to do that, believe me, you you all of you will become much better. And I saw that in my journey uh, when I started my my personal uh, Insta YouTube channels on personal finance. I used to call it, frankly speaking, finance. Uh, I was just sharing my learnings uh, of twenty five years and very honestly. And I was sharing with a very, very strong intent because I believe uh, uh, creating wealth in India is 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 uh, is such a big need, and it is such a misinformed space. Uh, in my first video, I talk about it uh, that as a country, we are brilliant at saving money. Today, when you look at financial influencers in America or in Europe, uh, Germany. A lot of their content is around how to teach people to save money. In India, we don't have to teach people to save money. We are already saving a lot of money, but we have another problem. Ninety-five percent of our savings is in fixed deposit or savings deposit, which is making the owner of this fixed deposit and savings deposit poor every single day, because a fixed deposit gives you five percent, six percent return. Savings deposit gives you three percent return. On top of that, there is tax. And inflation today is seven to eight percent. Seven to eight percent is the inflation that you see. I was reading an article yesterday. The medical inflation in India is today twenty percent. Travel inflation is forty percent. So if you look inflation under the hood, every single day you are becoming poorer. And all you have to do is move this ninety-five percent or a portion of this ninety percent, ninety-five percent from savings. To stock markets, and suddenly you will see we will become a very wealthy nation, but we don't do that. So through that, I started my my channel. Uh, people resonated with me. Mind you, there are some mind-boggling uh, influencers uh, on Insta, on the world of finance. Very young, uh, they do their content very differently. 
I, I was a 50-year-old guy. I did not want to do the content that they wanted to do. What they did was suited them. What I did was had to suit me. So I started my journey in my own way. It took time. Uh, it took me to get 5,000 uh, followers in about six months' time. But then from 5,000 to 30,000, it happened in two months' time. So my, my, my journey has been a fascinating one. But one constant feedback and the request that I was getting, uh, Samarth and Samyak on my DMs, uh, was uh, a lot of people thought that what I was talking, uh, because my Insta profile mentioned X Rakesh Junjunwala and Everstone Capital, a lot of what I was telling, people started interpreting that as not my views, but they were the either views of Rakesh Junjunwala or they were views of my firm, which I think was not fair. Uh, because there was an inherent conflict because my work and my my personal finance uh, Insta, LinkedIn, uh, uh, Facebook, YouTube profiles were somewhere kind of conflicting. I think I owed it to them uh, to remove that conflict. Uh, so for no other reason did I did I uh, you know stop that. But now I have something which I want to break on your channel. I am restarting my my entire social media profile. I am restarting this, but not on finance. Uh, I am restarting this on something that has currently taken me to a very different zone, uh, which I have kind of now gathered a lot of uh, knowledge, read a lot of books on this. I just started writing about this on my LinkedIn. Uh, I have now got a formal permission from my uh, from my firm to to kickstart my entire social media across Insta, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. And that subject is called longevity. Uh, so I am now a biohacker. Uh, as you will see, I, I am wearing a continuous glucose monitor. My Whoop watch is uh, currently getting uh, charged. Uh, uh, I, I take a lot of supplements uh, uh, which will help you live longer, but healthier and disease-free. So now I am on a mission with a very, very strong purpose, which is to make Indians live 100 plus but healthier, younger, and disease-free. There is a massive amount of science. Humanity has now decoded why we humans age at a cellular level and why we don't have to age. What all of us can do today uh, to kind of slow down aging uh, and sometimes in nature future even reverse aging. And this is what where the magic happens. If we are able to slow down aging, what is aging? Uh, aging is today. If you ask me what is my age, my age, I will give you. Uh, I am 50. I'll ask you, Samar Samyak, what are your ages? Tell me. I'm, I'm 28. And I'm 24. Biologically. Okay, so most of the, yes, exactly, Samar. Hmm. Most of the time when you ask somebody, they give you what they call is your chronological age. This is from the time you were born till now measured in terms of years. But there is something inside, which is our inner age, our true age, or our biological age. And the biological age and the chronological age uh, are always at divergence. Uh, very, very few times they are together, or your biological age is lower than your chronological age. Let me give you an example. I am 50. Let's say my biological age is 55. And the average lifespan in India is 7070 years. Which means I will live up to 70 years. So if I measure it from my bio, from my chronological age, I have 20 years left. 
so I will die in 20 years. But if my biological age is 55, I will die in 15 years. So I will not die at 70, I will die at 65. Now, if I if I don't want to die at 65, but I want to die at 70 or 75, I will have to do something. Science has now decoded a lot of the things you and I can do today. You know, but it's something very interesting. I was I was driving my, my car yesterday and I was seeing the dashboard of my car. If you go back to the car, my first car, where I used to live, Samarth in Neelkamal building an ambassador. <laughs> the dial did not tell me anything, but what was my speed and what was my petrol. Today, you look at the dial of a car and any car. The amount of health statistics it gives you about your car is just mind-boggling. From your tire pressure to a puncture to brake oil uh, to clutch oil to the coolant uh, to what's working in the car, engine health. Today, it's sad that humanity knows more about its car and less about its own health. And that is what I want to change. I want to first uh, educate you on on what is aging. I want to then measure you. Then I want to help you monitor yourself and then upgrade yourself. So yes, uh, sad that I had to shut down my frankly speaking finance, Insta, YouTube, Facebook and LinkedIn. But now I am back and I am back with a with a new purpose, which is to help humanity or Indians live 100 plus and uh, 100 plus younger, longer disease. That is, that is absolutely mind boggling. And just to give an FII, even I used the ultra human patch that you just showed and and the the kind of capabilities just a continuous glucose monitoring platform is also having is insane like like the statistics and all that it shows it's amazing and i i also changed your linkedin bio the headline to longevity biohacker so that is also something that i saw very recently so i mean not just me, but everyone who would be listening to this uh, podcast would be, you know, awaiting your new content style, a new uh, Prashant Desai in the making. And I look forward to it the most because I am not very fitness freaky type of guy. I, I eat a lot and I think I should change that. So I really look forward to your content. And I- so, so I was saying, Samyak, uh, it is it is not so much about uh, just food or exercise or sleep or the air that you breathe. Uh, my my bigger intent is to change people's mindset uh, because it's it's very interesting, right? Uh, if you don't believe, you will you will live longer. You will not live longer. Uh, so a lot of things that I am I am attempting to do uh, is, is is to first uh, because mankind has never lived longer, right? Uh, uh, if you span uh, our history to billions of years, uh, average the human used to live was 30, 40 years. 200 years, until about 100 years back also, the average human lifespan was 30, 40 years. We as humanity have doubled that. Today, on average, a human lives 70 to 80 years. The quantity of life has come up. The quality of life has come down. And the idea is this. I want to take this quantity further, but I want to take the quality even further. I, I jokingly say that I, I just don't want to be alive for my granddaughter's wedding. I want to be dancing at my granddaughter's wedding. So yes, the, uh, as I said, it, it's a journey that is extremely critical and important to me. Uh, so, you know, for me that, you, if you've seen that movie or read the book, The Pursuit of Happiness, 
it is less about happiness and more about the pursuit. Uh, so for me, it's all about making people enjoy the journey, enjoy the pursuit. Because my view is if they will enjoy the journey, the pursuit towards living longer, healthier, disease-free, they will all live longer, disease-free. No, absolutely. And looking forward to your content really very soon. Like, can't wait, honestly. So just have, I think, last couple of questions for you. One is, uh, how, how, obviously you said that, you know, you, you lost your father at the very, like, at the age of seven. So your, your relationship with money has not been great growing up. And that's why you wanted to kind of, you know, have, make a lot of money and never live that kind of life. But then, like, you obviously had a lot of money, then you had this venture. Then, like, what definition uh, of financial freedom when it, when 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 I say ask you about your relationship with money at this point of time, or maybe when you started your venture, at what age or at what point of time you you would have been like, okay, I have got my financial freedom, so I don't need to work to work, but I need to work to enjoy life, something like that. So there are a lot of definitions of financial freedom. Some you can summarize, but. Uh... I I uh, am amongst the very few Indians uh, who are trained in something called as flow. Uh, flow, uh, uh, the the godfather of flow is a is a is a is a uh, psychologist called uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, uh, and uh, a lot of work on flow has been done by a gentleman called Stephen Kotler uh, through the Flow Research Collective, and uh, uh, flow has a scientific definition. Flow is uh, an optimal state of consciousness where you feel your best and you perform your best. Uh, I am I am trained in flow. I train people in flow. Uh, what essentially you are saying is, and all of us experience flow, uh, you know, remember that conversation you had with your friend or your girlfriend or your uh, parents where you suddenly two hours go away like two minutes. You, do, you just don't remember time went by. Uh, flow is sometimes when you do something which, which is, Something you feel so effortless about it. Uh, sometimes when you when you are so focused, uh, your attention is so much at a peak uh, that you are in your zone. Uh, uh, in in runners, we call that as a runner's high. When we are in a rhythm, we forget everything around us. Right? That's flow. Now, why am I talking about flow and financial freedom? Right. Uh, so for me, financial freedom is something uh, which allows me to do something that I want to do with all my heart, with all my love. A lot of youngsters like you come to me for, for counseling in terms of career and stuff like that. And I, I keep telling them, do something that you love. Why? Because when you do something that you love, it will not feel like work. It will feel like fun. Now, when is, when is it, do you think you were most happiest? In your childhood, when you were playing with your friends, where you didn't care a shit about anything else, right? When you when when you were that innocent, when you were playing, you were enjoying it thoroughly. Now, just imagine if you fast forward. What if your work would give you that same feeling, that same emotion? So I always tell people, do the work that you love. But I am I am a realist, right? How many of us can? Get the work that we want to do, that we love. First, it takes you a while to even realize what do you love when you work. For me, I realized uh, that I loved stock markets, but I loved telling stories about stocks. That at the core, I was a storyteller. Uh, you would have got some glimpses when I talk, right? I have a way to 
to communicate, to tell stories. It's only when Kishore Biyani hired me. And when I went in front of investors all over the world and how I would communicate to them the whole pantaloon story in a certain manner. I started working in 1995. I joined Kishore Biyani in 2003. In 2003, I was 31 years. So it took me 31 years to figure out that I love stock markets or finance and I love storytelling. Uh, some may figure it out early, some may figure out later, some may not even be able to figure out, some may even be able to figure out that this is what I love, but I still have to work, I still have to do something that I don't love, because I have to get the, the meter going, because I have to eat, I have to travel, I have to take care of my family, I have to plan for a future and so on and so forth. So for me, the definition of financial freedom is something that will make you do what you love without worrying about this. Uh, some people achieve financial freedom by actually working either or doing something that they love. For me, that's in good enough financial freedom because you are happy. You are in a state of consciousness where you are feeling your best, where you are performing your best. So to me, it doesn't matter. A financial freedom is not a wealth metric. It's an emotional metric. Uh, the freedom to make you do what you love to do, to make you feel satisfied when you go to sleep at bed. Day was well spent. It was, it was a great day. So for me, that definition, but uh, realistically speaking, for a lot of people, that definition is tied uh, to something uh, 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 from their wealth perspective. And uh, if you honestly ask me, I achieved technically my my financial freedom when I started working with Kishore Biyani, but my absolute financial freedom, a number which, you know, doesn't force me to do something that I don't want to do in terms of work, I think I achieved five years back. So as to say that financial freedom is not just about like wealth, money, but it's about what you love as well. So yeah, I really like that concept. Maybe uh, this will also help me kind of introspect and see whether what I am doing today is worthwhile or whether I'm like actually enjoying it in the way or am I just doing it for the sake of money. So, so yeah. I'll add there Samyak. Uh, I think sorry to uh, sorry to interject Samyak but uh, you know one more thing I wanted to share with your listeners uh, and I'll give you an example of a, a person called Chirag Negandi. Chirag today is the CEO for Axis uh, Capital. Uh, he's my very very close friend uh, he's seven to eight years younger. And why I'm, 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 I'm interjecting and giving Chirag's example is uh, Chirag uh, is not a CA. He is not an MBA. Chirag is a pure BCom graduate. Uh, and uh, Chirag, uh, by chance, got into stock markets. Uh, he was a friend of mine who used to run an education institute where he was counseling people to take them to the US and the UK. Uh, to get for their education. But uh, somebody used to like trading. And I just told Chirag, if you like trading so much, why don't you become a little more intelligent about stock markets? Uh, and he knew somebody at Inam and he went and joined Inam in the research department. He suddenly realized, yeah, I just love doing research. I just love the stock markets, not just the, the art part of it, the science part of it. He went on to become head of research. Then he went on to become... Uh, head of equities, uh, now he's uh, the CEO for entire Access Capital. And I tell this to people. Uh, say Samyak is an MBA from Harvard. Samarth is an All India gold medalist. And Prashant Desai is, is a BCom, right? 
uh, all of us will get some opportunity to join a firm, right? Once we join a firm, uh, I may end up joining a lower quality of firm because I'm just a become. Samyak may probably join a Morgan Stanley or a J.P. Morgan because your series, you've done that hard work to, to become an MBA from Ivy League or become a gold medalist. But once you join, all of us are at the same starting point. Okay? If I love what I am doing, whether I like it or not, you will see me putting extra hours. Why? When we were playing, we never used to look at the watch. No! I want to play more, I want to play more, I want to play more. Our parents would come and say, Chalo gharam, right? That is what somebody who loves his work will put in. Whereas people who don't love what they do will look at the clock, they'll do what they have to do, will go back. Over a period of time, your peers will see this. They will notice this in the quality of your output. And that's where you begin to rise. That's where a Chirag Nigandi becomes a CEO of X's. And which is why I tell people, take your time experiment, but be honest. When you are doing something which you are not loving or liking, change. And it's okay to experiment. Nobody cares about your CV. You have taken three jobs. When you go and honestly tell them why you've taken those three jobs, why did you change so often, they will appreciate that. So I, I keep telling this to youngsters, don't be in a hurry to figure out what should I do. Take your time. Because till you figure out this is something that you love to do, ah, life will be a pain. Because you will be spending 8-10 hours working. And if that work is not fun, it sucks. Yeah. Then there will be one aha moment when you are working and you realize, yes, this is what I want to do. And I think that will just change your entire life. Yeah, it's totally agree. And actually, Prashant, I think this makes a lot more sense given that I graduated from a top B school last year and then seeing my colleagues and counterparts, they are just switching jobs. But, you know, when you're looking at it from a third person's perspective, you're like, what the hell is he or she doing? Like, who, who switches so many jobs? But this layering, you know, makes it all the more clear. So, Prashant, uh, in, the in the conclusion notes of our conversation, just two more questions which... I think a lot of people would be wanting to hear from you. Um, a, do we expect some venture from you sometime in the future, say five years, 10 years, etc.? And uh, B, what would you leave the listeners with in terms of, you know, some tips from you on biohacking and, you know, some good books that would improve one's relationship with money and personal finance? So my uh, ex-boss Kishore Biyani had made two movies. And the answer to your first question, will, will there be a, a venture from Prashant going forward, is the title of this first movie, <laughs> Sharing Rithik Roshan, Zaif Ali Khan and Isha Deol. The name of the movie was Natum Jano Naham. <laughs> so I don't know yet, uh, but I never say never. Uh, one thing is there, yeah, I will always be entrepreneurial at heart. Uh, so whether I do a venture or not, everything I will do is I will I will I bat on the front foot. I used to play cricket for my uh, for my school, and uh, so yeah, I I don't like to go on the back foot for in life. Uh, I don't know whether I will get out. I don't know whether I will uh, you know hit a six. But one thing is for certain, I will bat on the front foot. So who knows where that batting takes me? Uh, 
in terms of yaar yeah, one thought that i will i will leave people behind with is yaar yeah, it's a beautiful quote that i i read long time back uh, that we all have two lives uh, uh we only realize that when we realize that we have only one left uh we really live that life when we realize that we have only one left so that's what my big picture thinking has been yaar yeah. uh, i am i am an atheist i don't believe in god i don't believe in karma i don't believe in reincarnation so for me one life uh, and i i i want to live this world a better place than what i inherited and it not need not be carbon emission and pollution and stuff like that uh, can i can i share my learnings from this world to other to make it a better 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 place there are multiple ways to contribute so i i will just tell people that live life fullest give back uh giving back could be in multiple ways it does not mean charity it could be just helping somebody uh because i did not have a father i if i today start writing the number of people uh you know who have helped me uh probably it will be this fact a book uh and 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 i know how grateful i am to 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 each one of them uh, uh so i i i just feel yeah live life enjoy life give back uh Eat life, eh? make the most of it, yar. Play on the front foot, yar. What's the point of playing on the back foot? That's that's one thing that I will want to want to share with uh, with your audience. Bonus question, like, just give us like two, three <laughs> good book recommendations because I see you read a lot and it's evident. So, like, like we both love to read and we always ask, what are the three top books to anyone I meet who's like an intellect who's done something? I always ask them like. if there is any book recommendation you give so even in interviews if i am going for any interview my last question to like the interviewer would be if any good book recommendation so this is like a bonus question if you can recommend any good books uh so yeah this is a tough question to answer it's like uh, we started this conversation on calcutta so let's end it on calcutta it's like you've called me to calcutta and you are asking prashant what are the three things that you want to eat i am sorry i can't eat three things in calcutta i want to eat kuchka i want to eat muri i want to eat uh, you know victoria wala i want to eat at jyoti vihar i want to go to barbecue i want to go to uh, share stock market i want to go to balwan chai so it's a tough question but uh, uh, see reading in my view is is very individualistic uh, uh, so the way i look at uh, my reading style is uh i i like to explore uh so if there is something that i find interesting i will pick up the book uh if i don't like it i will shut it down and put it back also it's not that i have to uh it's a must that you picked up the book so you have to finish from the world of finance if i have to recommend uh one book and i think it's an it's more like a bible it should be it has to do a lot more with the mindset around making money it's called the psychology of money uh, by morgan housel i will strongly uh, uh, recommend that book uh we spoke about longevity we spoke about health if there is one book that i have to recommend and that uh, it is going to be a book called life force by tony robbins peter diamandis and uh, robert haredi uh if there is a general book that you want which will either uh, you know uh, give your life either a meaning or it will tell you or, or or take you in a in a different zone help you 
look at life differently, take risk. I would say you can read either of the two. Uh, one could be Jonathan Livingston Seagull by Richard Bach. Uh, it's a very thin book. You'll probably read it in a day's time. But if you if you read that, and I read that book every six months because it every six months you read it teaches you something else. Or you can read a, a absolute no-brainer by Viktor Frankl called A Men's Search for Meaning. Uh, it just tells you if you are that guy could could even in those circumstances uh, uh, see hope, uh, see light. Uh, who are who? Who the hell are we to get depressed at at small challenges in life? So uh, these would be some of my recommendations. But there are some mind-boggling book. Right? We spoke about uh, why I want people to. So I always tell people that uh, be a Times of India, don't be an Economic Times. Be a generalist, not a specialist. Uh, there is a brilliant book written by uh, David Epstein called Range. Uh, absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, great, again, remarkable book. Uh, future is faster than you think. I can go on and on and on. Right? So it, it, it's it's personal choice here. Yeah. Also, thank you so much, Prashant, for taking out time. And I think I can personally say that if I don't know if others are waiting or not, but I am shortly waiting for one venture and one uh, one more venture and one six or a knock from your side. <laughs> We had our very first episode of the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Mr. Prashant Desai, Head of Strategy and Investor Relations at Burger King. We got some amazing insights about how he managed to work with Mr. Kishore Biani, how he overcame his stint on a failed startup and his transition from denial to finally accepting the mistakes and writing a book about it candidly. He also gave his perspective on financial freedom, where he didn't take financial freedom as a game of wealth, but as a game of loving what you do. And some good news, he's getting back to content creation, but not on finance. He is going to write on longevity biohacking, where we'll get insights on how to live longer and healthier. Finally, he gave some good book recommendations like Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, and Range by David Epstein, to name a few. It was a really insightful session, and we learned umpteen amounts from his experience and wisdom. We look forward to many such podcasts in the future.